Welcome to the Beethoven 9 at 9 podcast from Colorado Public Radio. I'm Monica Vischer. Each of our nine episodes explores one of Ludwig van Beethoven's symphonies, the story behind it, and its place in Beethoven's revolutionary path. Last time we talked about Beethoven showing deep respect for the masters who came before, namely Mozart and Haydn. Beethoven takes a turn with his symphony number two as he faces his growing deafness head on and his conquering spirit begins to emerge in his music. He's also laying the foundation for the groundbreaking Third Symphony still to come. Joining me once again is Beethoven biographer Jan Swafford. Jan, welcome. Glad to be back, Monica. How did Beethoven's musical style change between the First and Second Symphonies? I wouldn't say he had one style. He, he really never did, but the way we think of the second period, what we sometimes call the heroic period, we tend to think of as, as a somewhat unified in style. He wasn't quite there yet. He had probably already declared that he was not satisfied with anything he'd done, and he was ready to take a new path, and that new path is what we call the second period. And I think the second symphony is right on the border between those two. Its style doesn't sound quite Beethovenian to us, but all the same, it's a big, ambitious, colorful, rowdy, absolutely delightful piece, fundamentally comic in tone. And he's not ready to jump off into total seriousness yet, but he's already taking off from his foundation in Haydn and Mozart in his own direction. What did you mean in your biography when you referred to Beethoven's Second Symphony as well-digested? I mean that some pieces he wrote very quickly, and some of those pieces turned out well, like the violin concerto later he wrote incredibly fast. The first symphony, though, he wrote fast and I think sort of held his ambitions down. The second symphony clearly spent a lot more time, a lot more thought. It's a much more complex and ambitious piece. He spent all the time he needed on it. So how did this second symphony by Beethoven measure up against other symphonies being written at the time? It was the longest symphony written up until 1802. Well, it's a lot more bold. Its humor is rougher and more raw. It's not particularly Haydn-esque or Mozartian. Um, it is just over the top. The first symphony sounds fine in sort of a smallish orchestra. The second symphony, even though it may have been played by small orchestras at the time, it kind of strains for a bigger orchestra and a bigger sound. And all those are, are absolutely things in the direction he was going. So tell us what was going on in Beethoven's personal life while he was writing his Symphony Number no. 2. We're talking about the summer of the Heiligenstadt Testament. 
a letter to his brothers that was probably never sent, which is a combination of a suicide note and a note of defiance. I think one way to understand this is in the the classic model of coming to grips what happens when you have a disability. The first stage is you try to deny it and you expect that you're going to get better, and he went through that stage. And then at a certain point after denial, there's often a crash. And the Heiligenstadt Testament is, is a record of that crash when he suddenly realized that he was not only going to be going deaf and that was going to kill his career as a pianist, he was going to be just a composer now, which is a scary proposition, really, for anybody. He was properly depressed and suicidal about it. I can't imagine anybody wouldn't be. The idea of a deaf musician is almost incredible. But if you look at what he produced that summer, there was hardly a glitch at all. He roared out of it tremendously prolific and there was no hitch in his productivity really at all. of Beethoven musical signature or signatures might we expect to hear in his second symphony? The whole piece is absolutely delightful. A lot of people don't realize how much fun Beethoven could be, but he knew how to be comic and rowdy as much as he knew anything else. But particularly maybe listen to the second movement. Often in the earlier music, in his first, what we call his first period, the music that to us suddenly sounds most Beethovenian is oddly often the slow movements. And his slow movements to the end of his life were some of his very greatest music, not just the bold stuff. And the slow movement really is the prophetic one, I think, in the Second Symphony. That's the one that it's beautiful, it just cries out. This is his future in depth of feeling and depth of expression. In what way was Beethoven starting to push musical boundaries in his second symphony? It just doesn't quite sound like anything in the past. It's tremendously original, even though he never returned to this style. Um, There's a tremendous awareness of the totality of the piece that the piece is one emotional development, not one emotion, but one emotional development. And there's a kind of emotional transparency to the piece. When he's being funny, he's being really funny. When he's being tragic, there's no mistaking it. Do his symphonies and the Second Symphony tell us the story of Beethoven in a way that we don't know him just in reading about him? All the emotions in his music are things that he mainly observed in himself. Beethoven was not very good at observing people, but he was very good at observing himself. And part of the result of that in his music is a sense of intensity of personality that music had never, simply never had before. 
But in the second period, every piece becomes a remarkably powerful individual, an unforgettable individual. One of the secrets of Beethoven is he took what Haydn and Mozart did and did it more. And the second symphony is already like that. Jan, to a lot of our listeners, the early, middle, late periods, that's not going to mean a whole lot to them. Can you describe in a few words, just kind of maybe even personify, each one of these periods of Beethoven's? What we called the Verus period was not a period of apprenticeship at all, but it was a period where he was experimenting with voices, experimenting with styles, experimenting with form a little bit. The second symphony followed a moment where he said to himself and to a friend, from now on I'm going to take a new path. Uh, Its second period is sometimes called the heroic period after the Eroica symphony. It's a period when he's the Beethoven who kind of grabs you by the lapels and shakes you really came to the fore. And most of the famous Beethoven that we know comes from that period. third period is later, after several relatively fallow years, when he had gone almost, he was never completely deaf, but mostly deaf. And the late music, as represented by the late quartets and piano sonatas, and to a degree by the Ninth Symphony, was a period when he kind of left behind the heroic model, and his music became uniquely inward and spiritual a good deal of the time. So we think of often the sublime third period compared to the more heroic second period, even though not all the pieces were in heroic style, and the more searching, let's say, first period. Beethoven composed his second symphony while struggling to come to terms with his worsening deafness, yet this did not dampen his artistic vision. In fact, he kept on going. In light of this, why do you feel Beethoven was destined to write his symphony number three? There was already a process of thought going on in his head toward the Third Symphony that started with this little tune at the end of a a ballet he had written called The Creatures of Prometheus. Hmm. And it had this very particular bass line. Bum, 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 which began to obsess him. And that bass line is what eventually expanded into the Third Symphony. So by the time he wrote out and orchestrated the Second Symphony, he was already on the way to the Third. The Eroica Symphony followed quickly on the heels of his Symphony Number no. 2. Talk to us about what kind of musical harbingers of the Eroica uh, might we already be hearing in the Second Symphony? The second, it's rather operatic in its expression, but it's a big, confident, rowdy, ambitious, extremely original piece. And even though the third is not going to sound much like the second, those qualities will still be there, but turned in a quite new and quite serious 
direction. Talk to me about what the Symphony Number no. 2 reflects about Beethoven, where he was in the time that he lived in. He was still, to a degree, building his career as a composer, but he was at a point of tremendous confidence. His confidence with the orchestra was complete. His confidence in his powers were complete. He was ready to challenge his audience in ways that uh, were beyond anything he had done. He unified the ideas, the Enlightenment ideas and ideals that he had grown up with in Bonn. He finally applied those to his music, and that transformed him, and it finally transformed music itself. One last question on the Second Symphony, Jan. What's your favorite part of it? The slow movement, absolutely. It's a gorgeous, touching piece, and again, often in his slow movements, uh, especially in the early music, was when Beethoven, to us, sounds most himself. Jan Swafford joining us for the Beethoven 9 at 9. Jan, thank you once again for joining us. Till next time, Monica. Listen for Beethoven's symphonies as part of the full breadth of classical music we bring you 24-7 on Colorado Public Radio. We are on the dial in Denver at 88.1 FM and in Boulder at 99.9 FM. Find us online at cprclassical.org. Our website also lists our favorite recordings of Beethoven's Second Symphony. Find a video of the piece in concert and read more about the music. You can subscribe to the Beethoven 9 at 9 podcast in the iTunes store. Our producer of the Beethoven 9 at 9 is Gina Naba. Our online editor is Brad Turner. Jan Swafford's biography is titled Beethoven, Anguish and Triumph. I'm Monica Vischer. Next time, Jan and I will explore Beethoven's third symphony, the Eroica, when Beethoven completely shatters traditional expectations of the symphony. That's next, only on the Beethoven 9 at 9 podcast from Colorado Public Radio. (laughs) 